Lights, camera, action. Hello and welcome to another edition of Movie Madness in association with Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined this week by Kieran Fletcher in place of Keenan Bonner. It is our Christmas special. It's 1992's Home Alone 2 Lost in New York versus 2003's Elf. How are we doing today? I'm very, very good. It's all, it's all good. Christmas is coming. It is. Um, we've seen the perils of what like a white Christmas would actually be like I know. either side. I know. Um, especially if you're waiting for some late Christmas shopping. Yep. But you saw the clip of the IMDB game that I did with Keenan yep. for the last preview, uh, couple, last couple of weeks. You fancied yourself at the game in particular. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And so we are going to do a Christmas edition <laughs> okay, of the IMDB game. Um the tip, if any, that I would give is not to overthink it too much. Okay. Keenan sometimes thinks I'm placing a red herring, which I may or may not be. But, okay. Uh, there we go. Love Actually mm-hmm. or Die Hard? Um, love Actually. Love Actually is a 7.6 and oh. Die Hard is an 8.2. Oh, I knew Die Hard was going to be higher than that. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation or Home Alone 1? Home Alone 1. Home Alone 1 is a 7.7. 7. Oh, National God. Lampoon's is a 7.5. Okay, okay. Good, 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 good. Elf? Yep. Or Bad Santa? Oh, it, it has to be Elf. Surely. Elf is a 7.0. Bad Santa is a 7.1. What the fuck? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Do you know what? I'm, I'm not thinking about the... Um, the target audience. That's why. Who Ooh. like who's actually going to be reviewing? So Elf things? is one of the most rated Christmas films yeah. on IMD in terms of most reviews. Mm. Um, me and TK were speaking about this. The idea of Bad Santa is actually a lot nicer than yeah. what it is uh, in practice. Like you'll get films that are supposed to be like dark humor, yeah, but they're still like an easy watch yeah. you, you rewatch Bad Santa and it's the most depressing <laughs> and now's the yeah. time to say go to YouTube search Bitballing Pod Bad Santa and check out the interview shameless plug there you go yep. or TikTok if you follow us there you've seen about 70,000 clips of it so far and yep. I've still got three left to post nice How the Grinch Stole Christmas versus The Grinch What's the... Which one's How the Grinch Stole... Is that the cartoon so one? the Jim Carrey one. Jim Carrey one's The Grinch. No, that's How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Oh, isn't the, the other one's the cartoon um, one. The Grinch is the cartoon one with the Tyler Creator soundtrack. Um, um, I would say the Jim Carrey one. I've not seen the other one, though. 6.2 for Jim Carrey. 6.3 really? for the really remake. Bad. I'm awful at this. Me and Keenan had a theory last week that 6.4 is actually the optimum IMDb rating. Yeah, I suppose. You get people that either love or hate stuff on there. Uh, two polar opposites here. Mm. Pardon the pun. The Polar Express <laughs> or Gremlins? <laughs> um, I think I think Polar Express has been rated higher than Gremlins. The Polar Express oh, is a 6.6 oh. 6 compared to a 7.3 for Gremlins. Jesus Christ. Your favourite, Jack Frost <laughs> versus 
Daddy's Home 2. Uh, Daddy's Home 2, I'm going to say, is higher because I know that Jack Frost isn't, isn't rated as a good film, but I just love it. Jack Frost is the lowest rated on this list <laughs> with a 5.4. Um, Daddy's Home 2 has a 6.0. Yeah. It's a strong 5.4. Office Christmas Party or a very Harold and Kumar 3D Christmas? Um, Harold and Kumar. You're correct. 6.2. Nice. Compared to a 5.9 for Office Christmas Party, once again, YouTube, Spitballing Pod, Todd Strauss-Schulson, our interview with the director himself. Two vague Christmas movies, Iron Man 3 or Shazam? Is Shazam a Christmas film? It's set at Christmas and it, as I'm on IMDb, it's categorised as a festive film. Um, I think Shazam's probably rated higher than Iron Man 3. There's 0.1 of a difference, and it's Iron Man 3 that's rated really? higher. 7.1 for Iron Man 3. Really? Yep. That's weird. I, I didn't think Iron Man 3 was very good. Oh, well. um, I believe it's actually the highest rated of the three. Really? Yeah, it goes to hmm. Shane Black, isn't it, that directs it, and he Maybe, loves setting all his films at Christmas. Oh, okay. Because yeah. he worked with Robert Downey Jr. in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, yeah. which I wasn't a great fan of. Really wanted to like it. I can't believe Iron Man 3's got a 7.1, I thought. Yeah, I, I he, was... like, give up being Iron Man at the end and then it just doesn't yeah. make anything? I, it's the one where they, he, like, he saves explodes, the kid at Christmas. Suits at yeah. end, he? Yeah. Um, hmm. I haven't re Shazam. I plan to do it in the next uh, fortnight. Yeah, I've only watched Shazam once. I've not watched Black Adam yet, either. No, I really enjoyed Shazam at the time. It does appear that all of these are going to be meaningless now. Yeah. Like, I, I really liked um, Jessica Jones and yeah. then I knew before I watched the last season of it that it had been cancelled and so I just had no inclination to watch yeah. it um, because even if it does get brought back they're not going to continue it on so. yeah they might um, they might do Daredevil again because Charlie Cox is still he's back he was trending and... today for some reason it's never mm. good usually yeah. when someone you like's trending did you um, say what's his name's been out in a super bad uh, Henry Cavill yeah yeah they basically said they're going to go in a different direction. But Henry Cavill put a post out and he said whoever the CEO yeah. of DC was told him to put a post out saying he was returning, which he did yeah. after the Black Adam thing. And then a week later, they bring in James Gunn and say, mm. it's now on him that we trust him to basically have his own vision. Okay. And well, so they're planning two the Spider-Man films. Yeah. Uh, not Spider-Man, Superman films, yeah. they're going to go right back and do the when he's working for uh, the paper Daily, as, yeah, as Clark Daily, Kent. Daily bu- bu- no, Bugles. No, yeah. Daily Planet. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and the other one, they're going to do the Black Superman uh, film. Right, okay. which yeah. I, yeah. I think I read something they've given that to J.J. Abrams, but I'm yeah. not sure. But he... James Gunn was answering a lot of questions and they're going to put out their early slate next week, I think. Poor Henry Cavill. He's lost The Witcher as well. But they've still got... They've still got Aquaman 2 that's going to come out, Shazam yeah. 2. Yeah. And there's another one as well and they basically said, yeah. That's weird. you got to think, if you have The Rock, maybe they'll keep Black Adam, but there's the theories, The Rock... I've not you, seen any ratings or reviews for Black Adam. I just so, thought the trailer looked quite good. So usually, if a film does really well, the actor doesn't have to come out and say, just so everyone knows, yeah. this film has actually done really well. Yeah. And The Rock did that, and so a lot of people are saying... <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. 
I've seen very mixed reviews, but I don't know what mm. James Gunn will do. I think it's a big jump to say you did Guardians of the Galaxy and Suicide Squad. Now we're going to trust you because yeah. even Marvel haven't been able to continue what they did. I don't know if it's burnout or what, because Marvel's the Russos aren't even being involved in yeah. the next phase, are they? I'm not sure. They teamed up to do that. The well, Grey Man. Phase, it's phase four now, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, so they teamed up is- to okay. do the Grey Man with Ryan Gosling. Yeah, well, I haven't seen Henry that. Henry Cavill as well? Um, um, no, Chris... Chris Pine. Is yeah, it? Chris- no, uh, the third one. The one uh, Chris Hemsworth. Is it Chris Hemsworth? No. It's Ryan Gosling, Anna Diarmas and someone else. Um, no, no, no. It's, uh, it was... Um, it's what's his name? Captain America. It was him, Chris Evans. Yeah, there you That's, go. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And they're doing a sequel for that. But the first one is one of those... Yeah. The box office doesn't always mean it was good because it's you true. can watch it and then it can be, well, I'm not going to watch another one. Of them. Yeah, yeah. And the rewatch value is not as good. Um, I thought the Knives Out sequel was quite good. I watched that the other I'm day. waiting for that next week. Yeah, I thought it was quite good. Quite... Can't be Your long. Your girl's not honest. in it though. ADA's not in it. She's no, not. no, no, I know no. that. Can't be lot. She's doing just about everything else, so it can't yeah. be long before she's brought into the MCU, like probably. almost everyone else is. Yeah, probably. Like even what they got, um, Amelia Clark's in it now. Yeah, there's someone. Secret invasion. There's someone else like legit that's just joined. Like it's Harrison Ford. Harrison oh, really? Ford. Yeah, in the MCU. Yeah. Oh, that's weird. Okay. Um, okay, last one: The Muppets Christmas Carol or <laughs> Planes, song. Trains, and Automobiles. Muffet's Christmas Carol. Correct. 7.7 7 to 7.6. Yeah, yeah. That's all, that's one of my favourites. Well, I'm going to ask you an open-ended question here. What to you makes a Christmas movie? Um, Do you include the ones that are on the brink? Um, Does it simply have to be set at Christmas? Yeah, I think Christmas I'm pretty... Film? Yeah, for me, I think I'm pretty basic. It just has to be set at Christmas. I wouldn't I wouldn't see Iron Man 3 as a Christmas film. So that's so there's one for you. Cause, so a comparison would be the like difference Die between Hard. Die Hard and Lethal Weapon. Yeah. So Die Hard... I would, as- I would associate Die Hard as a Christmas film, but that's yeah. only because it's always on at Christmas. I saw a definition and they say, a Christmas movie is one in which the plot and characters are directly affected by the fact that it's Christmas. Mm. Not a movie that takes place at Christmas, but everything that happens can take place at any time of year. Um, I guess you could ask, does the whole film have to be set at Christmas? Me and TK did a podcast last year. and Does the Christmas bit affect Die Hard? Really? So I guess it's a Christmas party. He's coming home yeah. because it's Christmas. Yeah, I suppose. Um, yeah. yeah, that's true. But we we did a podcast on the best Christmas scenes in non-Christmas films. Yeah. And we did um, Goodfellas, American Psycho, Step Brothers, Mean Girls, <laughs> and all of those. <laughs> yeah. Like Gremlins, Step, is that yeah, Christmas? See, Grem- that's classed mm. as a Christmas one for a lot of people. Would you... Yeah, I guess... A lot of it's I, I on the marketing. Like, I wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't really see Gremlins as a Christmas film. You could watch that at Halloween, couldn't you? Could do. Like, and I get another question: Why don't we get additions to kind of like the Christmas pantheon now? Like Polar Express has to be the most recent legit addition to like the Christmas roster that yeah. you see on the slate every year. Yeah, and before um, that it was Elf. The I think that last Christmas with Amelia Clark's probably gonna gonna add to that it's quite it is it is quite a good film 
And it's, I think a lot of it is because um, Emma Thompson's in it as well, and you just associate Emma Thompson with Love Actually, and you, Love Actually is like one of the big Christmas films. So you just think, fuck it, like put her in that film, and it immediately gives it that Christmas vibe. But that that's quite a good film. I'd say that I'd say that will join. But even join with the a lot of them, like I watch the night before every year, I watch Harold and Kumar every year, yeah. Office Christmas Party. In the kind of grand scheme of things, mm. there's very few that the Everyman goes back to every year and the Polar Express is one of them. There's probably the most recent that... Because you kind of have to it's have like, it. It kind of has like, to be a family one, doesn't on it? on your list, yeah. Die Hard is kind of the exception to that rule. Yeah. Home Alone always gets played at Christmas. Well, there's a good place for us to start. So we'll go into Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. America's smallest hero is lost in America's biggest city. Can I help you? Reservation for McAllister? Is it me? Hiya, pal. Oops. Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. What kind of idiots do you have working here? The finest in New York. Rated PG. Now playing at theaters everywhere. One year after Kevin McAllister was left home alone and had to defeat a pair of bumbling burglars, he accidentally finds himself stranded in New York City, and the same criminals are not far behind. What do you think the critics thought of this? Um, how? When did the first Home Alone come out? I'm going to say 94, because I believe... Joe Pesci had Home Alone yeah. and Goodfellas in the box office at the exact same time. Oh my god! Um, oh, nineteen, yeah, nineteen ninety. So Goodfellas has got to be nineteen ninety as well. Yeah, both nineteen ninety. And then what was ninety two for uh, so Home a couple of years afterwards? And the critics probably just thought they were just milking it, right? It's much more violent than the first film's comparable set of dirty tricks. Yeah, it is. And Kevin, removed from his embattled home, seems much more cavalier possibly even meaner than yep. his bullying older brother buzz i agree i don't like i don't like him at all who kevin. buzz or kevin kevin okay i think he's the right smarmy little bastard just as i feel like we're doing one of these every week buzz i don't know if you know have seen the actor's name in the media recently no so we interviewed him on this podcast. Yes. Um, not put it out this year yeah. because I believe he's currently detained on rape and kidnap charges. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So okay. I won't point you in the direction of that interview. If you if you choose yeah. to go yeah. and watch it, then oh God. you can say you you've come to uh listen to me and has Keenan he, maybe. Is he, um ha- has he been convicted or is he No, I don't believe. I was just going to check just in the meantime. Rape and kidnap. So <laughs> the last a, headline so is twenty fifth of August. He was accused of drugging and raping a friend. Hmm. So there you go. Um, God. Rather than laughs, it provokes gasps of sympathy and amazement, even among the children in the audience. The pleasures here are entirely cruel, with yeah. an unhealthy concentration on the suffering of the victims, on the thudding impact of various objects against their heads, yeah. and on their howls of agony. Just constant bricks being thrown <laughs> at the one's head, <laughs> murdering him repeatedly. Home Alone 2 may be lazily conceived, but it is staged with a sense of occasion and a lot of holiday cheer. The return of Mr. Colkin in this role is irresistible, even if this un- 
even if this utterly natural comic actor has been given little new to do. Mr. Pesci and Mr. Stern bring bring great gusto to their character's stupidity to the point where they are far funnier just walking and talking than they are being hurt. Yeah, I think that's true. Got that one out eventually. I think that's true. They do just get constantly just shit on for the last, like... 10 minutes or whatever it is. Cartoon violence is only funny in cartoons. Mm. Most of the live action attempts to duplicate animation have failed because when flesh and blood figures hit the pavement, we can almost hear the bones crunch and it isn't funny. No. Kevin is a little bastard in that film as well. <laughs> he's just, yeah, he's just very arrogant in that film. Whatever was a good clip around the ear. Whatever was unforced and funny in the first film has become exaggerated here. Whatever was slightly sentimental has been laid on with a trowel. The result, with some exceptions, plays like an over-elaborate parody of the first film, reminding us why we enjoyed it without being able to duplicate its appeal. Yeah. Yeah, it does feel quite forced, doesn't it? How fucking bad are his parents to forget him again? <laughs> well, they're the real villains in this film. The first thing to even think about when this film gets made is, if he wasn't a star already, Macaulay Culkin is insane after Home Alone 1. Yeah. Um, he's paid $4.5 to star in this movie, the biggest salary ever to an 11-year-old at mm. the time of filming. Four, $4.5 back then was probably more like our 20, right? That's a lot of money. Yeah, so... It's obviously the question of whether this would go to your head at his at this age. Yeah. A story that someone tells. Macaulay Culkin asked Joe Pesci why he never smiled on set. <laughs> and Pesci just told him to shut up and walked <laughs> off. And when he was asked, he said, he's pampered a lot. He's pampered to a lot by a lot of people, not yeah. me. And I think he'll grow to like that. Fair enough. Yeah. Like, even the airport scenes, they say, were so difficult to shoot because... The airport had to stay operational mm. to not just pay for a lot of extras. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Macaulay Culkin's newfound celebrity status Everyone meant that they had to have all the extra security. The yeah. extra security brings more attention. Yeah. That brings fans and paparazzi. That's true. Um, so the scenes there were filmed in February 92, and they say it's probably the most difficult part of the whole film. Mm. He's also introduced to Michael Jackson on the set of this film. It was a bit of trivia. Really? Um, so he was introduced on set? Yeah. Okay. He came to set. So there were people around. That's good. So Macaulay Culkin's father would not commit him to star in Home Alone 2 until the producers signed him to star in The Good Son, which came out in 93. He didn't want to see Macaulay typecast and intended that the R-rated suspense drama would be key to avoiding it. Yeah. It's probably why by 94 he refuses to act. Yeah, I was going to say, how, um, how many of... How many of them are, are actors? There's you. Got, there's Kieran Culkin. Yeah, he's he's in the film again because he plays. Uh, yeah. the got the West of Bed. Yeah, but I don't. How many Culkins are there? I don't know. But what does the dad do? Is he? He made a lot of money. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But he. Wasn't I think he like, was an actor before. Oh, okay, but right, I can't yeah, tell usually, you much about. It's usually it. the way. Yeah, he's just. Because uh, what is what is Macaulay Culkin doing now? He was in a band. He's in. He? Um, that succession show on HBO, I'm almost certain it's him. It's massive. I seen it. It's massive. Yeah. Um, and I'm almost certain. He, is, that, is it the one about, are they lawyers? Yeah, I think or is it, is it's it the, the newspaper is it music, one. music industry one. No, what's it's, the, what's the music it, industry I think one? they're, it's about, they're like in the tabloids. Oh, right, um, okay. But it's like the family. Um, yeah. So he was in American Horror Story for six episodes. Uh, 
Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. I thought he was in succession, but maybe I'm thinking of the guy from Ferris Bueller. If he was in six episodes of American Horror Story, then yeah, you'd recognise him. Yeah, six episodes of that. Two episodes of The Righteous Gemstones. Don't know what that is. He, he does a lot playing himself. Well, yeah, because he is Macaulay Culkin. It's, um, I know, I know you don't particularly like Russell Brand, but I do know that you like Mila Kunis. When, um, when they were filming Forgetting Sarah Marshall, she was dating Macaulay Culkin at the time. So it's Kieran Culkin that's in succession. Oh, okay. I don't have a real issue with Russell Brand. I, I, I I found it weird that people bought into the shtick of just, if I chuck enough words in here that you don't understand, then you'll think I'm clever. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, he's, he is very uh, eloquent in his speech. But um, so she was dating Macaulay Culkin at the time and Russell Brand was trying to be Russell Brand and salute with her. And he said in one of his stand-ups that um, she introduced, when she introduced him to her boyfriend, she was like, oh, my boyfriend Mac's going to be here soon. And he was like, who's, you know, who's Mac? Like, who is this Mac guy? And then Macaulay Culkin turns <laughs> up. It's like, you don't refer to Macaulay Culkin as Mac. Like, he is always going to be Macaulay Culkin. Well, he uh, does He does a tour now, doesn't he? Uh, he's promoting, like, wellness and spirituality yeah. and, and all of that. Yeah. We loved, I was in the barbers yesterday, and there was someone in there talking about they'd just been to his... Oh, one of his retreats. One of his shows. <laughs> mm. No, he, he does a show now, basically, like, talking about his life. And yeah. he said it's it's effectively a comedy show. He's not marketing it as that. But I didn't. I didn't really think he did comedy anymore. No. Well, it's it's, it's the, there's only so much he can say about yeah. his life, and yeah, yeah, yeah. He tried doing the sympathetic thing in just after he finished dating Katy Perry. Yeah. And unfortunately, as much Married as to Katy Perry, still yeah. weird. Uh, as much as it is a real thing, it's very hard for you as one of the most famous people in the world to say. I have a problem. I'm sleeping with so many beautiful women yeah, I know. and I'm, I'm now addicted addict. to it. I'm a sex addict. Well, the whole, the whole addiction thing, like addictive personality is a thing. And most of the time, you know, you give something up, you just replace it for something else. But if you're Russell Brandon, the thing that you're replacing it with is sex. Like, I mean, I'd much rather be addicted to sex than heroin. Did you ever watch that Michael Fassbender film where he's a sex addict? This yeah. Very, yeah. Yeah. Very yeah. Christmassy, but yeah. It, yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, filth no not shame it shame that's shame, it yeah. filth's the uh, the James that's, McAvoy I don't know what one. you watch yeah yeah <laughs> filth yeah, is yeah. the McAvoy yeah. one shame yeah 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 he, um, yeah um, so all of the children that appeared in the toy store scene were allowed to take their favourite toy home as part of their salary <laughs> nice I like Even that. though it, <laughs> that's good yeah they said, even though it didn't work and was created specifically for the movie as a prop Macaulay Culkin wanted to keep the talk boy that he had for the film. I yeah. guess when you're getting five million at eleven years old, you, there's probably not a toy that you could hope for that. Yeah, exactly. Also something else. The um, you know the thing that he records that that was made up, wasn't it? It's not an actual film. You know, yeah, yeah. The, with yeah, the shotgun, it was, the, um, the machine gun, Tommy gun. So I think for the first film, I think it was something. You know, like you get stock photos. I think mm. it's something that's essentially made to be a TV show in a TV uh, show or whatever. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then they co-opt it and they get the same people back yeah. to do it a second time around. So, all works well. I just, Kevin's just such a little bastard in that film. We're going to get to Every that. Every single line, he's just so smug. 
That's what you got. That's what he's got. He's got that charm. It's not charm. It's arrogance in this film. It's charm in the first one. It has gone to his head. The guy with the toy store and the the reviews they didn't hint at it. They yeah. <laughs> some slated them for it. Some said, you know what, fair enough. In terms of just like completely replicating the second film, and we're yeah. we're going to speak about um, the pigeon lady, Mr. Morgan. Yep. Yeah, I, yeah. I also have seen. I can't <laughs> remove that comparison. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Without getting too much <laughs> into her, do you think that you can do the second film with the guy in the toy store effectively playing the yeah. old man from the first film? Yeah. Because on a first watch, and I remembered the pigeon woman, but I didn't remember the size of the role she had. And I thought that was the role they were going down. Because almost everything is replicated down yeah. to yeah. the montages. And you probably could have done something more with that pigeon la- just the pigeon lady is actually quite a big part isn't she yeah and I didn't remember it being you kind that. of gloss over that yeah because that's very Christmassy the toy store thing they're picking it out the yeah. being charitable with his money yeah I don't need this he gives him the turtle doves all of that the guy in the first film was effectively showing him yeah you can have all this fun and you can have all these good times but your family is really what you it's need the actual cost of and yeah. the pigeon woman eventually does that I don't, yeah, I don't know. I'm sure she does say her name, but Pigeon Woman is she's Pigeon yeah. Lady. Yeah, isn't is she, is she not the one that tells the mum where he is? I can't no, remember. no, he's because um, I remember the mum. The mum rocks she's up ranting, to the home. <laughs> she's ranting at uh, like a policeman. Yeah, who's basically like, well, you know, my shift ends in a couple of minutes, so yeah. I know you got a missing kid, but yeah, not my problem to be honest with you. And then she says. <gasps> And I don't know why uh, no one said this before. Yeah. So, well, why don't you put yourself in his shoes and think maybe where he would be? Yeah. And then she says, "Take me there." And he goes, "Come on, get in." The um, the the mum rocks up to that hotel that he's been staying at, and she like screams at the hotel lobby manager, yeah. and she's like, "You've lost my son!" Like pot kettle. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, "How could how could you lose my son?" So. So she's effectively, she plays more of a leading role than Joe Pesci in the first film. Yeah. They have the two arc, uh, arcs at the same time of her realising how much she loves her son and yeah. him realising how much. And the second film, they're panicked, but they're, just, they're a lot more chilled. They're just awful parents. They've got their feet up I know. in Florida. They're still complaining yeah. about the weather. Yeah. Stop, as far stop as, losing your kid. As far as we see... In this one now, it's not as simple as knowing that he. Actually, they don't even know that he's not home. Do they, do they even check home? They must do that off camera. It's not as simple as them just getting on a plane. I know. So we we, gets, we eradicate all his of that. alarm clock gets unplugged or something, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean something. Get, hit the come the end of the come the start of the first film, they're well aware we've left him at home. And so it's, how can I get home? In the second film... He's in New York. Yeah, they don't actually know where he is. But even when they find out he's in New York, they still take a bit of time. Yeah. Most of the family are just happy because it's raining. Mm. (laughs) They're like, Mm. well, let's get down here then. Now, Chris Columbus directs this. He's got himself, at least in the conversation, of being the best family film director of all time when you look at his slate he says he considers Home Alone 2 to be better than the first by the way and I'll ask your opinion at the end of this hmm. Chris I, I would have thought 
family movies, I'd have said Spielberg, well, probably, but yeah. Columbus yeah. is yeah. Yeah. He's he's at least there. in he's the conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he says one of the biggest regrets that he had for this second film is they spent a large chunk of the budget on artificial snow and then New York City had a blizzard just before they were due to film. But he directed Home Alone 1 and 2, yeah. Mrs. Doubtfire, Great film, Harry yeah. Potter 1 and 2. Yeah. yeah. Then... Would you consider Harry Potter Christmas films? There's, I wouldn't, there but they, is feel, always, they feel Christmas. It's the magic, isn't it? So yeah, I and it's because they're always on a Christmas, Christmas I think. Yeah. They get, and they all have a Christmas scene in there. Yeah, there is always a Christmas scene, and it's the fact that they are always on at Christmas. And then they do this thing where you see this in football a lot, where someone's had success like twenty years ago, mm. and they keep trying to chuck the keys to some like failing team and say, yeah. "You you did this before." Yeah, and they give him Percy Jackson and the Lightning Thief, which, to be fair, at the time, I everyone just assumed which- this was going to be. The yeah, latest which, one of these. Which, how many of them did they make? Did they make two? Two, of them? I believe. There's one with like a magic cloak, isn't there? But I said to you that when we did the podcast last time that there was audio out there of Jeff Bezos effectively in an Amazon meeting saying, how hard can it be to make, to me, do, make yeah. the new Game of Thrones? Ring, rings of power, yeah. And with this, it looks like they're effectively saying, how hard can it be to make the new Harry Potter? Yeah. Because they give him something else. Um, for what Percy Jackson Percy Jackson one they obviously were hoping that would be it was going to take off that yeah. kind of thing we had a couple around that time there was a Spiderwick one Spider, there was uh, they tried they yeah. tried doing an Artemis Fowl film they tried doing do you ever read those Darren Shan books where he's no. a vampire loved no. them when I was younger and they tried making one I didn't, of them I've not read the Percy Jackson books either because no, I know that they were quite they were quite big though weren't they then if you remember this they give him Pixels with Adam Sandler <laughs> yeah yeah Rated yeah. as one of the worst films on IMDb. Really weird film. Enjoyed that at a cinema. And Peter Dinklage in it as well. <laughs> really weird film. Well, the whole thing was basically... <laughs> Peter Dinklage, also an elf. It's a nice yeah. little tie in there. We've got Pac-Man on the poster. Yeah. Which they're now doing a live-action Pac-Man film, by the way. Don't know why that's needed. They're but... still doing... Yeah, they're, and they're doing... They've filmed Mario, haven't they? They've yeah. Super Mario. Yeah. What's his name? Because um, my arch nemesis... Um, <laughs> John Leguizamo right, yeah. <laughs> has been complaining that uh, there's not enough diversity that Mario should be played by an Italian. Well, is do you, would you not agree with that? I'd agree with that. When you when you think of Mario, if I was to say to you, oh, do a Mario impression, you would do an Italian accent, wouldn't you? I would, but I also, of all the things in Hollywood to be losing sleep over... Yeah, I suppose. But they... No, I think they probably should have put an, an Italian... I think that's that's about right, but... You know... And Chris Columbus wrote the screenplay. So he wrote Gremlins and he did the screenplay for The Goonies. He's, got, he's had a hell of a career, hasn't he? So my my th- first question when I was doing all this research was, why the hell do you not carry on making Harry Potter films? Because yeah. they, they took but Harry Potter 3. and the studios wanted to change no, it. It gets no, darker, doesn't it? So he does Harry Potter man. 3. There's a clear change. Yeah, it's dark. And he was he was given the opportunity to do it and he said he was experiencing health issues due to the stress of making the first two part films. He said, despite calling it the greatest experience of his life, he says he was concerned he wouldn't get to see his kids grow up if he did another Harry Potter film because he thought the stress was going to kill him. Fair enough, yeah. But I mean, that would be be pretty peak. I mean, he's literally, he, he himself is watching all these kids 
and kid actors grow up. I mean, I, I kind of guess it gets to the point where when, when do you spend time with your own family? Like, how old were they in the Harry Potter films? Like, 12? I think they were like 12 in the I first don't, one. I, mean, I don't know how old his kids would have been, but yeah. Yeah, you're in, spending time with other kids that aren't yours. Yeah, like, he, that's a lot of pressure. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I guess there's pressure on the first Harry Potter film, but when the first Harry Potter film does well, there's pressure on the second film and then the second every film does single, well and it's like every single Harry Potter you've film got a ramp crazy up. crazy and to be honest they they're all pretty consistent they're all pretty consistently good like yeah. there's you know you've got the Star Wars films you've got yeah. I know people have their preferences the originals the prequels the sequels like I think Revenge of the, the Sith is probably a lot of people's favourite Star Wars films but like they are very hit and miss but every Harry Potter film is good to be yeah. honest like my favourite one's the fifth one but if if they're on TV, I'll watch them. Yeah. Like they're good. So, um, so further down in the who was trivia, it in Azkaban? Was it? It's that Al, Alfonso dude. I believe so. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Catherine O'Hara, who plays uh, Kevin's mother. Yeah, she said she was worried her character wasn't trying hard enough to find Kevin, <laughs> and so scenes were added to show her concerned. Yeah. And so if this is what we see with scenes being added, what the hell was going yeah. on beforehand? She just didn't even bother getting on the plane. She said she was she was so worried any free time she had, she would practice her guilty sad face at home in the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> just flash it at camera every now and again. I'm sad my son's gone. That's um, funny. So the pigeon woman. So Daniel yeah. Stern said a pigeon really flew into his mouth. And really? he said it's the most revolting thing that's ever happened to him. Yeah. How um, much did they get paid for it? Do you know? I don't know. They, they must have been, by the second one, they must have been on quite good money. Yeah. Um, not that Pesci's ever not been. It kind of... We lose a bit of the Christmas sense with... I mean, she's down as Bird Lady on IMDb, by the way. <laughs> no, it's Pigeon Lady. Her saying... Bird Lady... The man I loved fell out of love with me. That broke my heart. When the chance to be loved came along again, I ran away from it. I stopped trusting people. Mm. Now, Kevin can relate to an old man not seeing his kids at Christmas. Yeah. What the hell is she expecting <laughs> yeah, in this scenario? You know, in like a weird little shack. He says, no offence, but that seems like a sort of dumb thing to do. He's a, he's an arsehole. He is a little arsehole. <laughs> I was afraid to get my heart broken again. Sometimes you can trust a person and then when things are down, they forget about you. Mm. And then he uses the analogy of he had some rollerblades and he didn't want to scuff them, so he left them and he, he grew out of them. He grew out of them. Yeah. And then... Gives her his turtle it, it is a good analogy, isn't it? And she, she's loving it. Yeah, <laughs> she's a made-up woman, made-up Christmas. I know, <laughs> I know the um, message. Lady. The message is supposed to be that he's so scared of her, and then the second he actually stops to speak to her, realizes how nice she is. Yeah. Maybe saying a little something every now and then, not just poking your head around the corner. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. A foot away from him. Yeah. And you may scare people a bit less. She is she meant to is she meant to represent something like bigger or is she not? Is she, is she literally just a bird lady? You're the first person I've spoken to in five years. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, like, oh, you're pretty good at it. Yeah. And she's just got in above where this orchestra is playing. There's just somehow yeah. this hole in the roof. Yeah. <laughs> she's able in to a, come out of her little shack. I've got yeah. a warm place we can go. It's the fact, it's the fact that she's like, she does this every single day as well. She is just the bird lady of Central Park. Like, with, with Kevin, 
weighs a lot. So do, how do those birds find you? She's just got this mountain of bird seed in her pocket. Yeah. She, when I was thinking about the film previously and someone asked me, I usually would say, I prefer the second film, but I, I, you don't need all the stuff with a pigeon lady. I, I quite like Pigeon Lady. I think she's an iconic part of that film. This, this time around, I thought she did more of a job than I remember her doing. But I, I say she's iconic, but I only think it's because I forget that she's in it. And then when I see her, I, it makes me laugh well, every time. That's that but scene. I think that's because of Piers Morgan. I do just see Piers Morgan now. <laughs> well, there's a scene where, for, for a kid's film, and I know they are a bit darker in this one, they effectively tell the mum your kid's going to struggle with all their murderers and rapists out on the street in New York at night. Yeah, the hotel the hotel lobby guy yeah, says that, doesn't even, he? There's someone says it. And then, like, smirks at her. Yeah, and then... <laughs> like, he wants her son dead. <laughs> He's walking down the street, isn't he? And then he walks past some hookers on the road yeah, saying, yeah. like, oh, you want us to read you a bedtime yeah. story? Yeah. They walk past someone else and he gets in the taxi and goes, oh, thank God, it's so scary out there. And he turns around and he goes, not much better in yeah. here, kid. <laughs> New York's a scary place. And then he gets out and and legs it and that's when he sees a pigeon woman. Yeah. He he does well, to be fair, but... The the scenes in the the hotel lobby are are quite funny. I mean, the pigeon pigeon woman, the end for her, the family have waited all this time. Pigeon woman film, her her beginnings. (laughs) How did she become the pigeon lady? Well, they do all this time tracking down Kevin. We're never going to let you out of our sight again. He sneaks off within 30 seconds to go see Pigeon Woman. The hotel scenes, as you've just referenced, as a kid watching this, and even just anyway, room service just sounded like the most incredible thing in the world. I think it is though. I think in places like that it is. I think you can just request anything. Like, I think when I was younger, which hotel are they in? He's in. Well, he's in the Trump Plaza. Is, yeah, because <laughs> yeah. Trump's in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think I considered as a kid that you actually had to pay for the food. I thought it was like <laughs> it was just, a simple yeah. you just phone up and I want a cheeseburger, please. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Part of the and in films, package. you're never just ordering one cheeseburger. No, no. But I remember going to, I'd say, a moderate hotel in London so it's a hotel Canary Wharf in in London I think you may have seen the one Um, it's down on booking.com as a a four star whether you believe that or not four star is quite good for Canary Wharf so so I remember seeing a room service menu there and we got back from the boxing ones well I get room service it's going to be the best thing yeah and it's like do you want a sandwich or a panini basically Uh, and some chips yeah (laughs) like you're in a cafe yeah Yeah. so it wasn't quite I saw a clip. I think like the proper five-star hotels, I think you can just request anything. Yeah. It's crazy. Well, there was a clip that went viral recently of uh, Kylie Jenner. Mm. And celebrities trying to be relatable is always the best thing because it's just anything but. That's why they they fucked it with... um, Remember when they did um, Imagine? (laughs) (laughs) There was that phase where... Like I didn't so think anyone would say it, it, but we were just seeing too much of Gal Gadot. Like, yeah. Even just in interviews when she tells stories that are supposed to be relatable mm. and it's like, not, oh, yeah. and it's just so hard being incredibly gorgeous and people yeah. look... <laughs> and yeah, life. that was awful for everyone involved. Whenever yeah. I see Sarah Silverman, it's never anything good no. coming from there either. Um the room service in this, his his bill indicates that he spent nine hundred and sixty seven dollars 
on two chocolate cakes, six chocolate mousses with chocolate, vanilla, and strawberry ice cream, topped with <laughs> M&Ms, chocolate sprinkles, cherries, nuts, marshmallows, caramel syrup, chocolate syrup, strawberry syrup, Jesus. whipped cream, bananas, six custard flans, <laughs> a pastry cart. <laughs> what were the kitchen thinking when they were making this? <laughs> eight strawberry tarts and 36 chocolate-coloured strawberries. His room service bill in 92 is equivalent to about $2,054 in 2022. Wow. Well, that's a lot, but I guess yeah. the pastry cart is bumping that up. Yeah, and how, it's like you. Uh, how if does you, he get? It's, it's his dad's credit card or something. Isn't yeah, it? yeah. But even like when <laughs> such a little shit. Maybe when you order on uh, Domino's or whatever, yeah, and they say other pizza brands are available. Why? Famously, <laughs> me and Keenan on the podcast. I'm a Papa John's man. Yeah. I think the Papa John's Papa garlic Byron. dip is better. The sides are better. It, it's a nice, it is a, you feel like the ingredients are better in a Papa John's, they, don't you? They put more love into it. The only critique I have is I ordered one on a Saturday recently and I think it's pizza places in general. There's no love in the pizzas on a Saturday. It's rushed. They're too busy. Yeah. Well, we've, we've had this. We said, I ordered fish and chip cake the other week. So I ordered from there last week. And what happened? I had my so just eat through the little stamp cards now. Yeah, do they? You can, so you get free certain, meals. Certain places yeah. and they do. Good idea. They take fifteen percent of your average order, your average of your last five yeah, orders. Yeah. So this is all, so I had nine pounds, I think it was. So fifty it must be fifteen percent of the collective you spent. So even there, it's not great. Yeah, um, I had about nine quid off. So all that does is make you add more. Yeah. To just and so you're still spending the same amount. You're just getting. You're more. just going to put. Yeah. My mum wanted some, so I ordered a cheeseburger meal, and I had the cheeseburger on top of my order. Nice. Um, so you got her chips. It was just what she wanted. <laughs> okay. Chips and curry yeah. sauce. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. And I opened the box up and I ordered a mini cod. Yeah. And there's a big cod in there, and I thought you thought places like you aren't generous for the sake of it. Oh, uh, you had to check that. So I know you're giving me a shit piece of cod now. Oh, and the actual fillet itself. So, so it was like it was like pure puffed, batter. It was like yeah, it was like it was like puffed out and it was yeah. a bit flat because they do sometimes they would chuck almost like the extra bits in the box for you to have, which <clears> free <throat> fish. So I usually yeah. scrape it out for the cat, but yeah. you bite into it and it's like there's a reason this didn't make the cut. Yeah, and so I think Kevin. I started this analogy so long ago. <laughs> when you're ordering to, a pizza, on fish and chips. it's one pound, and you could easily, on one pizza, if you were just adding one of the toppings, you whack could have like on. a whack 50 quid pizza because you've added like 15 more toppings. Yeah, Domino's is bad for that. All he's done here, he's added the M&M's, six different syrups. Yeah. Yeah. Nuts, marshmallows. He's just gone in. I was trying to sympathise with him. As to see, I could see you how know, he got to this point. You know he's not eating all of that as well. He's, well. he's not getting through all of that. They go through a lot of phases where he should have been exposed. He has a bloke in the room dishing up his ice yeah. cream. Yeah. And I will say he is rude in this scene. Which because one? The guy, the the guy guy's who... doing the ice cream and he says, two scoops for you. And he says, give me three. I'm not driving. Yeah. No, please. Uh, yeah well and the guy when's, looks when like when does he say keep the change that's you filthy animal is that, is that this film or is that that's for the first set of room service I think yeah. no he does do that yeah yeah, yeah. 
because that's where you get the same thing again. You get him in the shower where he's moving the yep. puppet up and down. Yep. Says the next day, would you want to look someone in the eye if he walks in on you in the shower? Mm. Fair enough. Yeah. And he does the film again. <laughs> Tommy Gunn one of the best bit like when they're all lined up and he's saying I saw you kissing and he, and he says cliff. Hey, cliff. <laughs> it's just a shot of Cliff's face yeah yeah that is good get down on your knees and tell me they're you love all, me they all just lie down on the floor yeah yeah um, the ending maybe you would like this a scene was filmed but deleted and to this date not being released the McAllisters are waiting to catch the flight to New York where Kevin is being tracked down. And Frank goes on a rant about how Kevin has ruined another Christmas holiday. <laughs> yeah, I'm on team I'm team Frank. <laughs> and the parents have to say... I'd prefer it if Kevin just didn't get found. <laughs> if he just lived with Pigeon Lady and she taught him some manners. Because he's been getting away with absolute murder. Like, almost quite literally, he throws bricks at people's heads. (laughs) Do you think the pigeon lady would be as sympathetic if she saw the room service bill before helping him? Yeah, she'd, yeah, she'd have definitely seen Kevin in a different light, I think. She's saying, sort me out, please. Exactly. He's he's spent, what, two grand on ice cream (laughs) and pigeon lady's got a fucking pocket full of pigeons. And she's still giving him birdseed. And like shit all over her. Giving him a turtle dove and he's like, oh, I wouldn't have minded. (laughs) I can't not see Piers Morgan. I like the fact that Piers Morgan admits it as well. He's like, yeah, I do look like her. That would be the last compliment we give him on this show. Yeah. Also, even... I know it's supposed to be Kevin living out like kids' fantasies. Him stepping out of the hotel and then saying, your limo and and piping hot pizzas here waiting for you. Yeah. Unreal. Well, I know. I know. But this is this is how the other half live. They, they, it's a reality for some people. So, have you ever been in a limo? Yeah. Uh, when, when was I in a limo? For I was in a limo for some... Prom? Girls. No, it wasn't prom for some girl's birthday, but I think we were like 13 or so. No, do you know, we were in a, we were in a limo. We went to McDonald's. We were in a limo. <laughs> and then we went to watch um, that bloody Racing Stripes film, The, the Zebra, That's yeah. a Horse. Yeah, there we was... Went, uh, we got to, to fucking Gloucester. There was the two Peel flies yeah. that would sit on the yeah. main. Like, we I remember we played to them. the Peel Centre in a, in a limo to watch that. So, yeah, I have. But so that's I my thing. Really I remember it. I'd like to go in a limo, but I can't help but think... I want to go in a limo because I should be in a limo. Yeah. Like, Do you not think with limos, though, whenever you see them, whenever you see a limo, all it is is people hanging out of their head shouting we're in a limo I think so they're not even in the limo they're well, hanging out if, the window even if the windows were done up I would feel like a prick if I was in a limo going down Eaton Avenue <laughs> on that, like, yeah because yeah. it would just there's feel, certain places aren't the set, this isn't the setting like you even, want to be in Vegas or something I even I don't I don't want to know that it's that readily available yeah like knowing that I could phone up and put down my... I feel like it's not that expensive 50, to rent a that's limo, That's one, my 50 quid deposit yeah. for you're going to take me here and, yeah, yeah, here yeah. and back and and then we're going to pay for the drinks on the inside or whatever. It's probably not that expensive. No, so that's the thing. I want. I don't even want that in my head. So someone, yeah. someone else has to be paying for it, basically. 
And when, yeah, when would you, you'd have to do it? It'd have to be occasions, but like, I feel like we're at the age now where we're maybe we're like, we're too old for limos. It is just like hen parties and shit. Yeah. So that, that would be not the one for me. I want to be. Would you get in a limo on a stag deer? Would you go in a limo? I don't, you just, you, nah, you just want to get. I'd feel like a prick. Yeah. You just want to be at a pub, wouldn't you? Yeah. Like, uh, the last couple of things on here <clears> before we move on. John Candy was at one point going to do a cameo in this film but it never worked out. The violence we get in this film, if I can just get to my notes, because I did take some things down while watching this. <laughs> the one bit of violence that always comes back to me is uh, the one where he's electrocuted. Yeah. And the only reason I remember it <laughs> because is... Because of the meme. It's the first time oh. I saw the... <laughs> I thought you were going to when say you bust meme. a nut, yeah, she, she keeps sucking. Like, yeah. That's the first yeah. time I yeah, saw yeah, that yeah. meme. Yeah, that actually, and um, the Indiana I, Jones one. <laughs> I always think the same. Yeah, I always think the same thing. The Indiana Jones one where he drinks the wrong uh, elixir of life. <laughs> it just melts. <laughs> I saw yeah. both of them. They were the first times I saw it, and so I can't see that without thinking about it. Yeah. Um, uh, I like the part where he puts his head in the toilet and that he does that slick little move where he like just. <laughs> Flops up. Frank, I wrote that at the start of the film where they do sprinkle in the stuff that kids aren't supposed to get. And he says, well, did you speak to your Uncle Frank? And he says, uh, he's gone to take a shower. And he says, if I went in there and saw him naked, I'd grow up never feeling like a real man. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the dad's dad's loving it. Yeah. I don't know why everyone laughs at Buzz's joke in... What's Buzz's joke? Where they're... um, at the school choir thing and he's putting he's the lights the next to his ears and like, yeah. everyone's loving it. <laughs> yeah. I can at least see how in Step Brothers, yeah. if someone's doing Brendan as a mangina, I can at least see why this would be funny. <laughs> Buzz, like... I'd... It is true, like, he, all the adults are, like, cracking up as well. Frank like, it's is, the, Frank's out of his seat. thing they've ever seen. Um, do you not just feel like I, so I rewatched it the other day? Those kids as well. This is going to come across as proper harsh, but them kids in that choir—they all just look so. They all look like they've just been made out of spare parts. They've all got like big ears and like big noses. It's like there's just been a box of parts. Area. Yeah, and they've all just been like just pieced together. If rewatch that scene, and you're them kids have got a lot of growing into themselves to do. I, I don't know how Kevin isn't dealing with any PTSD from the year before. Yeah. He literally in his own home was pinned up on a wall with someone <laughs> saying they were going to kill him. He now Kevin, knows the guys are on the loose. Kevin 100% becomes like a psychopath serial killer. That's how Home Alone ends. Home Alone where Kevin is the one trapping people in his home. Yeah, the, the other violence, we get the bricks being thrown off, which I did enjoy. I did laugh at that. It's not just one brick, is it? About six no. or seven bricks. And so isn't it just the one, it's the one guy, right? Just the tall guy keeps taking it. Yeah. What are they called? The Sticky Bandits? Uh, they're, yeah, the Sticky Bandits by the time <laughs> it gets to the second film. We've got... Um, yeah, they're a lot more lethal than the first one. Did it spin you out seeing that it was Rob Schneider as the concierge? <laughs> uh, <laughs> because yeah, I yeah. can't see him without thinking of Rob Schneider yeah. as <laughs> a carrot. <Karen>. Yeah. <laughs> so then you get in the house and then... They're doing all sorts. He he slicks the ground and he flies into uh, like the railings with his legs spread, which falls on top yeah. of him. He has it set up so a nail gun 
Fires. <laughs> yeah. Kevin means business in this film. Like, he, mean, he wants them dead in this film. That's meaning business. I mean... What are they even doing in New York? Is that is that addressed? They, just they walk, say they broke out of prison. And they walk past him and happen to like see him, don't they? They broke out of prison and they're coming to find a heist that they can do over oh. Christmas. So they can fly to Brazil. Oh, okay. Um, everyone, every person has ever done a heist has overlooked getting the getting through security and getting on a plane. But yeah. With the cash, yeah. they'd have sorted it. Yeah, the na- the nail gun that he's he knows he's going to be bending over yeah. <laughs> to, to, to go. I suppose if he stood up, then it's going to be crotch height. So either way, <sighs> taking a nail gun for a cock, uh, fucking hell! Yeah. Like if that if you were in a jigsaw game, and he's like, you're going to have to yeah, take this Kevin, either way. That's, that I feel like that is who Kevin becomes. But like we know it was going to be crotch height. So if jigsaw's like, make a choice, turn around. <laughs> Would you what rather have it in the arse or the cock? Yeah, it's got to be the arse, isn't it? So Surely. that's the choice. Uh, yeah. yeah, Marv makes. What else do we have? Um, they're climbing down the rope and he sets it on yeah. fire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sets the entire building on fire with that like gasoline in the toilet. I mean, the ones that stand out for me are the toilet part and the the bricks. I'd forgotten the nail gun. I mean, I sort of what the is going I, on yeah. here. I re- do you know I rewatched it the other night and I can't even remember the nail gun. Part. Well, they're, they're saying uh, <clears throat> the reason the house is like this is his uncle's house, which is under renovation. Yeah, yeah. What the hell renovations are going on there? Where <laughs> yeah. are the builders for a start? Yeah. And after that, yeah. that's not a renovation. That's your whole house is <laughs> just a project. being gutted, yeah. and you're starting again. Um, during production, John Hughes did write script drafts for Home Alone three in which Macaulay Culkin would return as a teenage Kevin McAllister. Then he found out that Macaulay quit acting and he mm-hmm. just repurposed parts of it for his other films that he uh, makes along the way. And the working title was Alone Again. Home Alone's better. I think Alone Again... Oh, as in like so, Home Alone the first one, then this was Home Alone, Alone Again. Alone no, it was again. just called Alone Again. But Home Alone 2 is better. Lost, lost in New York. That's what it's called, isn't it? Yes, yeah. yeah. You, there is also the tendency where Home Alone. The the viewers are often insulted that you couldn't possibly make. <laughs> yeah, make but the then it's understandable. Like again. for the most part, you you have to just. Yeah, that shouldn't even have been in discussion. Yeah, that's true. Home Alone Two is fine. You know, you know, it's pretty much you know what you're getting. It does it does a job. Which do you prefer, one or two? One. But I think purely because I dislike Kevin so much in the second one. And it's not—it's probably not even Kevin that I dislike. It's probably Macaulay Culkin by that <laughs> point. Because I could just tell he's a smug little bastard in that film. So he has his innocent charm in the first one. Till I say what, it's actually his brother that's in succession. So I was, half, I was mm. part of the way there. You got one Culkin. Because that's rough for him. <clears throat> yeah, I Kieran, know. he's in there as fuller. Yeah, I know. His brother is this megastar and he's a guy that wets the bed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's true. It's like they that, went, there's the Hemsworth brother that isn't famous, isn't there? The spare yeah. Jonas brother as well. There's like a fourth yeah. Jonas brother. And there's the there's yeah, the, did you say there was the Will there's the one in the Smith family. Like there's there? there's a there's a brother. The, like there's Jaden, there's Willow, and there's a brother as I well. Did, I did <laughs> yeah. not know that. No. Okay. With this, they went all in with the marketing. They you had Pepsi commercials, which mm. they still let 
uh, Fuller drink Coke, but maybe that's because he wets the bed, so they're trying to push yeah. it that way. They This was one of the first times they promoted a film uh, through Happy Meals oh. and a McDonald's commercial as well. That's quite that's quite a good idea, I suppose. They did it? go all in. It's a smash hit. What would you get in the Happy Meal? Like a little Kevin I don't toy? even know if it was a toy or if it was just they like the just boxes or if it was just a, like a commercial that way. Yeah. But yeah, they went all in and uh, paid yeah. off, obviously. Mm. How did it do figures-wise compared to the first one? I knew you were about to ask that. Like it must it must have done better, surely, I'm guessing. Purely because of Pigeon Lady. <laughs> I would tell you, but IMDb's crashed, so uh, we'll move on. Yeah. Anything else to add before we move in on to our second film of mm. the day? Talk into that no. mic. No, it's um, it is a good film. I w- I do watch I watch one and two each year. Uh, do I? Yeah, no. We've we've covered it. I just don't like Kevin in it, and I I just yeah. I have like I said the only real issue I have was uh, him being rude to the ice cream man. It's just he's just rude nonstop. Every everything that he says to other people in that film is just a little dig, and it's like, well, I find myself rooting for the so, so, so we don't. So the hotel people weren't actually that bad. It was just Kevin was. <laughs> yeah, he's just he's just a little ass. But no, yeah, it's, it is a good film. <laughs> do, you, do you remember when it first came out? I think the first Christmas after, and someone had edited the um, Home Alone film. With Trump saying down, down to the left, fucker right in the pussy. Oh my god! <laughs> and then I think it was in Canada they like removed his scene. Yeah, probably from the film and yeah, all of these things. They had a Michael Jackson, uh, Michael Jordan cutout in the first film, and they've upgraded to Trump. I, I believe it came out that it was. Trump's request to be in the film. They asked a film Probably. on the hotel property and he was like, yeah. yeah, but you have to get me in the film. He's like quite slim in it as well, isn't he? He's in well, like quite good shape in that film compared to now. They actually play one of his adverts because he, that's why he stays there, isn't it? Like early in the film, he's at home with his little recorder mm. and he's watching the advert on the TV for the most luxury you can have in America. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, let's move on to Elf. What's your name? Buddy. Your costume is pretty. Oh, it's not a costume. I'm an elf. Well, technically I'm a human, but I was raised by elves. On November 7th, the world's largest elf is coming home for the holidays. We elves try to stick to the four main food groups. Candy, candy canes, candy corns, and syrup. Will Ferrell. Okay, people, Santa's coming to Santa. I know him. I know him. Elf. What do you want for Christmas? A Susie talks a lot. I'll put in a good word with the big man. Rated PG starts Friday, November 7th. Yes. Raised as an oversized elf, Buddy travels from the North Pole to New York City to meet his biological father, who doesn't know he exists and is in desperate need of some Christmas spirit. What do you think the critics thought of this? Uh, two, 2003. Will Ferrell, 2003. I reckon they liked it. I reckon they thought it was really good. It is good. Feral is a hoot. Yep. So is much of this witty holiday family entertainment, which up until the end, when the true spirit of Christmas must be reaffirmed, mm-hmm. happily favours slapstick over treacle. Yeah. 
Feral makes the damn thing work. Even though he can't get naked or use naughty words, there's a devil of comedy in Feral and he lets it out to play. Director John Favreau has the good sense to just stand out of his way. Yeah. Yeah. Will Ferrell has the ability to turn those wide eyes and that big body into a potent comic weapon. So Elf gets a good number of laughs from his complete innocent abandonment to his role as a lummox-sized elf. It is a good film, isn't it? Like School of Rock, Elf is an unexpected but thoroughly delightful surprise. Yeah. Do you remember seeing School of Rock in the cinema and being thoroughly surprised at how good that was? I never watched it in the cinema. I watched it, um, I remember watching it on, I think it was film four. And yeah, it, I, yeah, School of Rock's great. But no, I never actually watched it in the cinema. I believe we watched it because something like the Wild Thornberry's movie yeah. was sold out. Yeah, that sounds about the right sort of time. I remember so what, I watched the Wild Thornberry's movie and maybe I was next to you. <laughs> I was watching the sold out one. Yeah. One well, of, I like Elf, but I don't think it would work without Will Ferrell. Right. One of those rare Christmas comedies that has a heart, a brain, and a wicked sense of humour, and it charms the socks right off the mantelpiece. Now, as we've said, smash hit of a film. Mm. Grossed $176.6 million in just the United States and Canada alone. Yep. 47.2 million in other territories for a total of $223.9 million against a production budget of $33 million. It's got to be one of Will Ferrell's most iconic roles, hasn't it? Well, Surely. I'm about to tell you about him. This film opened at number two at the box office in the US with $31.1 million, finishing behind The Matrix Revolutions, which was also in its first week. Which one's... Is that, that's the third it's- Matrix, is it? Matrix, Matrix Reloaded, Matrix Revolution. I was going to say with Home with the first Home Alone film, it actually created what they were calling in Hollywood as being Home Alone. In that, in that week, and you can go back and look, it's crazy. The week of films that are released at the same time, yeah, and it just smashes everything, yeah. And that's when more thought actually started being put into when you were going to release your film, yeah. Because we would go back on this podcast previously, and we would do what was in the cinema on this day 25 years ago. And you'd have so many blockbusters at the same time. And now you struggle to find two that are released in the same weekend because they Mm. just won't do it. They get so, so scared. Well, it's changing now as well, isn't it? So it will come out, a film will come out for a couple of weeks and then it will go straight to Netflix. So the cinema is changing. You see it more with like album release dates where you're not going to drop your album the same weekend as Drake. Yeah. And so everyone will just fly away. Lewis Capaldi films. makes a point of that. Like he asks Harry Styles and Ed Sheeran to like stop releasing music so he can release his album. <laughs> and with films, yeah, they do that a lot more now as well. Um, it topped the box office on its second week of release, also beating out Master and Commander: The Far Side of the World. Top three worst film ever done on this podcast. Really? Hate it. I don't think I've even seen it. What? Who's in it? Russell Crowe. No, I haven't seen it. When he taught himself to play the violin on set, yeah, you know, not a lot was going on. Yeah, the highlight is a guy's like leg comes off and they like burn it to What's put it about? back on. He's an admiral, and it's basically a a wild goose chase. Uh, wild for, goose chase. Yep. For the film, with two boats chasing each other before they ultimately. Is this Don't, why South Park do the piss take of Russell Crowe as Tucker? 
Yeah, they is ultimately it, they yeah. don't even kill each other off, and then they say, "Right, back to it." Then and we're like, "Oh, well, fair enough." <laughs> We've just wasted two and a half hours yeah. of you on a boat playing uh, pirate politics. Yeah, and then well, you're not really selling it to me. I'm going to give that one a miss. Cross death. Yeah, rough, rough. But it beat out Elf. You said. It came Home Alone, Elf sorry. Beat Master oh, and Commander. Okay, okay. That was what it topped in its uh, second week of release. It's beyond Matrix first week and then yeah, second week it was yeah. top over Master and Commander. Um, in the UK, it opened in second Elf because it was released the same weekend as Love Actually. Mm. Love Actually is better. Hugh Grant does what he does. Love Actually is better. I will say it. It's a better um, film. Love Actually is a great film. Um, so Will Ferrell, this is his first leading role. Oh, uh, okay. At the time, he was fresh off Saturday Night Live, yeah. And his only film credits were those like SNL spin-off mm-hmm. movies that mm-hmm. they did. So between the pro- the post production for this film being completed and after everything done already, Old School comes out. Oh, okay, and that goes nuts yeah and now everyone wants to see Frank the Tank and yeah. what Frank the Tank does next so New when Line you, yeah, when you think of Will Ferrell you think I, I do the first thing I think of is Step Brothers and then I, I think I would probably think Anchorman next but like Elf would probably be top three and then we're going streaking yeah yeah so New Line got the idea that this charming family Christmas movie isn't going to fly. Really? Nobody wants to see this. They want to see Frank the Tank. Yeah. And so they take all the footage from John Favreau and say, not happening. Just weren't going to release They bring it. in their own team. Yeah. And they're going to try and use all the footage they have and start to craft an R-rated comedy. Oh, uh, from Elf. Yeah. Okay. Weird. And so John Favreau is basically on the sideline and the production designer says they tried to re-edit it into something else. We'd been so committed to John's vision and his way of executing that film that they ultimately just couldn't do it. Mm. They couldn't re-edit it the way the studio thought was better. Suddenly we had a movie starring Frank the Tank wearing yellow tights. John Favreau is sick, obviously. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he pays out of his own pocket and John Favreau isn't the John Favreau we know now at this point yeah he out of his own pocket pays for test screenings across the country mm. to just show his cut of the movie he then brings that back to New Line nuts on the table mm. and says this is what they want this is going to be yeah. huge yeah and we always hear about you know the test screenings were so much bigger than they thought it was going to be yeah this this was one of them you can't and- imagine tank uh you can't imagine Elf with fucking Buddy the Elf swearing and, you know... You, you There's can't... talk that he was going to kill himself at the end of the film. <laughs> I do have issues with how the film ends, though, I have to we'll, say. We'll get, we'll to, get that. to that. Um, I, I don't know how he managed that. I mean, it was rumoured beforehand they wanted Jim Carrey to come in and play Buddy. Uh, yeah, yeah, you could, I guess. Will Ferrell's... Uh, he just done The Grinch. Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> that's the thing. Um, He's the Grinch. Just a side note, in the scene where Will Ferrell has to eat the spaghetti Mm -hmm. covered in syrup, as you would imagine, 
he spewed twice. Oh, really? And then they had to film it again where he oh could just God. keep it down enough. Now, the question I have for you, if Will Ferrell couldn't do the role, who should have done it? Because I think Jim Carrey is horrible in that role. Um, I could see Jim. I could see Jim Carrey doing it, but I would just. Do you think he can do charm, like I innocence? Would just imagine him being um, like Bruce Almighty in it. It, it. Like I, I know what you mean. Yeah, Will Ferrell's got that. He has got that innocence, kind of childlike. It works because he is like basically like a seven-year-old in the body of of whatever he was forty. Um, who else could do it? Well, like I, nowadays. If I say to you now, mm. I can give you the Men in Black thing. Elf's gone from your mind. Yeah. And you'll never know that existed. And the version that's going to be placed in front of you, yeah. Nick Cage is doing no, Elf. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. <laughs> You're insane. You're a madman. I want to see that. So Nick Cage now. I want or Nick Cage twenty I want years ago. Conair. No. Post Conair, Nick Cage. No, 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 no. Absolutely not. I wouldn't take hair that. flowing in the wind. It's ridiculous. It's just that that would be the R-rated film. Yeah, I, I want to see the I want to see the Nick Cage elf cut. Well, I mean, it's probably the sort of thing that Nick Cage would do as well. Right. But well, he's filming Dracula at the moment, isn't he? Is he? <laughs> yeah. Fuck's sake. I'm, I like Nicolas Cage. I'm not going to slag him off, but let's let's leave Elf as it is. Let's not reinvent the fucking wheel. So the story around Will Ferrell is what it is. It's obviously huge for John Favreau as well. Yeah. Terry Zwigoff was offered a chance to direct the film, but turned it down. Now he directed a film in the same year, which we mentioned earlier. He has two options on the table: Elf and Bad Santa. Mm. he says for what he does Bad Santa is yeah. the one and yeah. obviously it works out yeah. tremendously but John Fav- Favreau is in it isn't it? he's like the doctor yeah, he's the doctor yeah. yeah so John Favreau had only really done Made with Vince Vaughn at this point he goes on to do family films again Zathura A Space Adventure which is a lot bigger than you remember it was mm. Iron Man 1 and 2 yeah Here's a throwback for you. Associate Favreau with Iron Man, to be fair. Cowboys and Aliens, he (laughs) directs with Daniel Craig. Daniel Craig and Harrison Ford, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) Chef, which I've not seen, but someone told me recently is a really nice film to watch. I've not watched it. Chef. It's basically one of them, I think, he's going through a divorce and just decides I'll be a chef instead. (laughs) That was just a great time. (laughs) Fuck it, yeah. I saw it being panned on Twitter with someone saying, like, there isn't enough of an arc. And someone says, it's an hour and a half of John Favreau just having a nice time cooking yeah. food. Like, yeah. <laughs> Take what, it for what, what it want? is, my guy. Uh, he also does, which I didn't know, the Jungle Book remake, the oh. the Lion King remake. So Disney, he's... I've seen the Lion King remake. Oh, no. I've watched the Jungle Book one. Seth Rogen is Pumba, isn't he? Uh, well, I they did it live action. I haven't but seen the Lion King one. No, I've not seen Beyond, it. It's the Beyonce soundtrack one, isn't it? Yeah, they did it live action, but the animal's mouth clearly don't. Mm. work too so it's like watching a nature documentary with voiceovers yeah um he created the mandalorian yeah he wrote the yeah. book of boba fett yeah he also wrote swingers not sure if you've seen with big vince vaughan fans on this podcast have i seen so maybe he credits is that that's not the um i'm here for the gangbang one is it Where, where's that no from? that's old school oh yeah that's yeah. A, yeah 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 that's todd phillips um yeah. 
Favreau credits playing Dungeons and Dragons as a kid as giving him a really strong background in imagination, storytelling, and mm. understanding how to create a tone and a sense of balance. That's probably true, yeah. He was supposedly in the running and the lead choice to direct the first Avengers film, but he turned it down and said it wouldn't work because he favours Iron Man too much. Yeah. Well, the Russos still favoured Iron Man. They say when they told Favreau that they were killing Iron Man, they felt like they were talking him off a bridge. Yeah. Yeah. They said he was begging them not to do it, and they basically said, well... He said, how can you do this? You're going to have people walking straight out to the cinema and onto a highway. (laughs) I think Robert Downey Jr. had done his job by then. He kind of... A lot of Marvel has him to thank for it I, I still think he'll come back I think that Marvel money yeah, 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 that yeah. Marvel money is the too, too good you've seen um, Johnny Depp's coming back as Jack Sparrow 300 million yeah, yeah he said that he wouldn't do it for anything less than 300 million and they they just said okay you can have 300 million I'm, I'm not I'm not a fan of his I know he's yeah. this all the rage to be a big Johnny Depp fan no 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 they're you know Neither of them have come out very well have no they? But, but, but he has which you, well you know what I mean t- not really. They're both as bad as each other. Yeah. Um, so his story of how he ends up doing Elf, he says, I'd worked with Judd Apatow, who had nothing mm. to do with Elf, when I directed an episode of Undeclared and I worked on a pilot that didn't get picked up. When I was working with him, his manager, who also managed Will Ferrell, sent me a copy of the screenplay of Elf. Mm. I'd already directed Made and people knew me from Swingers. I took a look at the script and I wasn't particularly interested. He said they hired me on to do rewrites. There was an original script that was quite different in tone. It was a much harder comedy. My pitch to them when I was hired to write was to make it feel like Buddy was a human that grew up in a 60s Christmas special. (laughs) And I brought it down from a harder PG-13 to a PG. The innocence was something that I always wanted to lean into as I worked on it. He was always an innocent character, but he was a bit more of a foil to the action and to the comedy. I tried to strike a balance that was a bit sweeter. The studio read it, agreed to make it, and then they don't get their first choice and they turn to Favreau. As a flavour of what the original script and where they were going, Mm. you're not prepared for what film we nearly got. Um, Originally, the news reports near the end of the film were going to be on a much larger scale. Favreau mentions it was going to be a CNN report and there were supposed to be a dozen cop cars surrounding Central Park. Also, the cops were supposed to be chasing buddies on Fifth Avenue, <laughs> shooting at him as he shot back at them. <laughs> he also jumps off the Empire State Building and onto a helicopter. <laughs> Favreau felt the slice-of-life news story played better into the reality of the situation. Yeah. He says... That's a great... That's a really good scene, isn't it? Because she, like, loses her words and she doesn't report on it. Yeah, it's really good. He also says... Uh, about the inspiration he took, not just being from the Christmas specials. He says the design of the Central Park Rangers for him was a reference to the ring wraiths from Lord of the Rings. Yeah, yeah. I was about to say the very ring wraith. He's like, it's the Rangers. (laughs) (laughs) So, Favreau, I mean, he's now... Huge. Yeah, like... Huge, yeah. He's, when was he? He was in Friends for a bit, wasn't he? I know you don't I watch Friends. I think he did like three episodes or yeah, something like that. He was in but he's like while. Disney's. Yeah, I know. The money he's made Era. for them, he must I be know. up there with the Russos for them. Yeah, probably. Jungle Book and is he still is he still connected to Marvel? Or 
Yes. So he because who's doing the the fifth phase? Is that the Russo? So I I don't know who's doing it. He he isn't down to direct anything because um, I think all of his times with Star Wars now. Yeah. Yeah. But he's still involved. Like he's still playing happy, and mm. I think he's he comes on as a um, executive producer for a lot of them. Yeah, like cool. for the whole all of the Avengers films he was down as that seems like a nice guy doesn't he like it doesn't look like he's done anything wrong publicly no, like you no. know James Gunn is like fucked up massively yeah. well he won you so fucked up massively but those the, his his tweets were wild the tweets were were bad but yeah, I mean, Favreau seems yeah, me and Kino speak about there's some people that are so famous Robert De Niro and Pacino yeah for how I hold them I still wouldn't feel they're very approachable. No. And I don't think you have to be. I actually think part of their allure is mm. is that Favreau feels like someone that, so if they were English, that you could go up and talk about the football with. Yeah, like, I agree. I feel like you could go, and it must be tiring doing all Just of that. Just to be, always be the nice guy. But it's, I mean, like... That's that's why a lot of actors aren't on social media. Like they're not on Instagram. They're not on Twitter because they want to, you know, they want people to see them as the roles, not as them. Because as as an actor, if you're, but then you've got the you've got the opposite side of that. You've got Robert Downey Jr. who is Iron Man. Like he he <laughs> yeah. is Iron Man. Do you um, think it's so strange with like Favreau and the stuff you read about with I guess James Gunn as well mm. that. An actual point of praise for these people is they've actually done their research when it comes to making these Marvel yeah. and Star Wars films. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. At what point were we where that wasn't I know, it's just, not just a, producers chucking money at it? Yeah, it wasn't just a basic, yeah, like, I know, I know. you're being given all this money, at least do your research. Well, they had um, uh, Edgar Wright did the initial script for Ant-Man. And apparently the producers and whatever and all the higher execs started like twisting it and changing it and it just completely bastard- yeah. bastardized his version of it and he was just like, yeah, I'm not doing this. And he, he stepped back. But like, I feel like Ant-Man would have been better with Edgar Wright because he's got that kind of zany Well, there was a load of talk about Tarantino being asked, would you direct a Marvel film? And he was like, I don't need the money that much. Like, mm. I make films that I want to make. I don't need someone... Yeah. He, he described it. Tarantino doing a Marvel film anyway. Well, the Not one the that he, he wanted to do, he wanted to do a Star Trek film. Mm. He wanted to do an R-rated Star Trek film. Yeah, and then wasn't well, able to. Aliens just blowing the shit out of each other. You can't. You couldn't put Tarantino in in a Marvel driving seat. It's just no. It he he be a said film. that they don't make stars because you just see them as the character. And he's. I mean, we, me and Keenan did this the other week, but he said. When you watch Sandra Bullock in Speed, you came out in '94 and wanted to see whatever Sandra Bullock was doing next. Yeah. He said, if you saw Sandra Bullock in a Marvel film in 2022, you'd want to see her as that character and that the, character and again and that character again. Well, school says he said that. Um, what did he say? That Marvel films are just like a, 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 a theme park, like Sugar Rush or something. He just said that there's yeah, no like substance to Tarant- Tarantino said them effectively. You just get the same film you, you, over You're like again. a gun for hire. It's like, yeah. this is how we want you to direct it. And they've done it a bit more where they've given, like, uh, Ryan Coogler was able to put his print on mm. uh, Black Panther. And as you say, James Gunn with Guardians of the Galaxy, because those were the first two, really. Guardians were different. Yeah, Guardians then, of the Galaxy um, felt like different Taika films. Waititi with... Uh, Four. Thor, because yeah. everyone came out of Thor 2 and was like, what the fuck? Yeah, Kenneth yeah, Browner, yeah. what are you doing to us? Yeah, Thor 2 was long, a very slow film. Um, 
So also a lot of the stuff we get, so you got that montage at the start of Elf when he just comes to New York. Mm. <laughs> they did it where, I mean, Farrell's big, but you yeah. probably couldn't do this now. They just kept him in character. They went around and rather than have to like pay to hire places for the day, they'd approach someone and say, we'll give you a hundred dollars yeah. if you'll sign this and yeah. just, just be, write, it, be write an extra. Permit. Yeah, yeah. And they did that and that's how they got a load of their scenes like you can see the guy did he actually get run over I've always wondered that no but he said they nearly caused an accident just because you've got a guy and they yeah. weren't filming because that Christmas so you've got a guy mm. as an elf running around <laughs> across the street yeah very distracted yeah so that's how they that's how they were able to get so much done now the animated influence in the early North Pole scenes mm-hmm Fantastic. <laughs> That's always in yeah. my head as well. Um, I messaged you about Arctic Puffin. Yeah. <laughs> Not now Arctic Puffin. <laughs> yeah. So the film is able to use... Did you ever watch that Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer when you were younger? Um, no, I don't think There's so. like a classic animated one from no. like the The 90s. only old school kind of animated, I just think the snowman. So it's from 1964 actually. No, it's um, not. Now, they were actually able to use a lot of the characters from this and their likeness because when doing their research, they saw the film isn't properly copyrighted. There was an error in the Roman numerals of the copyright notice, <laughs> which meant it was just wide open. So they could just do what they wanted with and it. So they could do what they wanted that's and they amazing. could use music and characters. Yeah. And that's how they were able to create the thing at the start. <laughs> My favourite piece of trivia for this week, Buddy's 12-second burp was supplied by voice actor Maurice LaMarche, best known for his cartoon character, The Brain, from Pinky <laughs> and the Brain. That is good trivia. How much do you reckon he's paid for the use of a sound effect for a 12-second burp? Um, um, was that all he did? Yeah. Just that? Probably, I don't know, like studio time and stuff. There's got to be like a limit. Well, I imagine it's probably something he's recorded in advance and it's just, they just take They've that. They've just sent it. Yeah. I don't know, a few hundred quid probably? A few hundred dollars? I assume you wouldn't get royalties from that moving no, forward. No. I know um, you Faisal sold Love the right to your book. that plays uh, the store manager at Gimbal's, mm. he's spoken before Is when he... that elf money comes through at Christmas. Oh, he gets royalties, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. That That character was supposed to be played by Wanda Sykes and if you actually go back his character is wearing a badge that says Wanda for no reason, just because he thought it was funny. <laughs> That's who he was replacing. Um, they He's say, good in it though, isn't he? Yeah. He they say funny. Will Ferrell's jump scare reactions were genuine. Um, John Favreau had a jack in a box wired to a spring by remote control and he which, just set it off at his jump, tube. Oh, yeah. Oh, when he's doing that at the start. The box, yeah, 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 yeah. I remember <laughs> that being in the trailer. Uh, they filmed this like Lord of the Rings he said he refused to have CGI. The only CGI mm. allowed was snow. And he said... And the little animations at the start. Yeah, so he's... Well, that's not... That's stop motion. That's, oh, okay, yeah. And he said that's what he really liked. He said the Christmas films that he grew up watching... I suppose something's... There's he something liked, quite magical about stop well, He motion, said he liked yeah. the mistakes that were yeah. made. He liked that in some of the transitions and things, they're not done properly. Mm. And they did the false perspective thing, like with the Shire... Yeah. So they had the two identical sets for yeah. the elves in this. <laughs> I love. <laughs> I love the scene where he's like hiding behind the little arch. They're talking so about. They're talking about Buddy, and he's just hiding. He said in in that 
the the sets don't connect properly oh, and he okay. said they realized that and he no, that's that's for me that's part of the charm yeah and he said just leave it in i was actually reading someone this week and they had this really vivid memory that others were able to confirm mm. that they say i don't know if it's changed now back then the the films weren't sent cropped and so he had a viewing where there were boom mics in a load of oh. shots. And he said he watched a whole film at the cinema. With boom mics in it. With boom mics in it. And he <laughs> said he remembered being uh, a kid yeah. and seeing like a flesh-coloured mm. top in yeah. shot yeah, with yeah, yeah. Um, when Zoe Deschanel's in the shower. Clothes mic yeah. And all of, this, all of this weird stuff. And I couldn't believe that mm. it wouldn't just be sent cropped. But he said it was effectively to, it would show the cinema work, the projectionist, how it should be framed. Mm. And so for a load of cinemas, it just, it just wasn't framed properly. Just that cut, yeah. And so that, that's what they were seeing. And mm. Probably a good memory now to just tell that story. I don't know how many just people to, would be interested just by to do it. That, yeah. um, those scenes with him at work are great. I mean, it's a pretty simple story. He crawls into sa- a lot of questions yeah. has to be asked of Santa there, by the way. Yeah. Um, and the orphanage. <laughs> yeah. Um, and also, like, how isn't his dad like 400 or something? Yeah. <laughs> well, it reminded me of... There was a realisation with superhero films that came much later where not everyone was a special character. And so you had to put normal people in mm. to make things seem like more relatable. And it's why we get so much things now that are like not your normal superhero film and you get the yeah. boys and all this stuff. Yeah. The fact that they frame it like it's a normal day at work and then they add the quirks on top of it rather than it being every elf we've seen previously mm. that is some magical Little twinkly creature. thing. Yeah. So much better, They're and it's one grafting. of the reasons. Is, yeah. yeah, when they're doing about his quotas and yeah. he's nine hundred and fifteen behind, yeah. and they're all like, talking about having to pull his. <laughs> they got like the little Mister Potato Heads in the background. Yeah. <laughs> Ming yeah. Ming, yeah, who's in a Christmas story, by the way, the little kid with the glasses. Mm. That's him. He's playing oh, really? Ming Ming. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought that was really good as a way of setting it up. Also, it was always good. I remember it always would hit differently as a kid when they they would mention in a Christmas film the idea that Santa didn't exist. Mm. And they do it in a Home Alone 1 where he says, Yo, look, I know how it works when the guy's got a beard down. I know you're just here on behalf yeah. of Santa. Yeah. And when you incorporate that in for a kid of that age... Yeah. Well, how old would I have been? So I'd have been nine. During Elf. When Elf came no. out. So I probably knew at that point, probably, or at least you're in their latter stages. So that's probably mm. when it, I remember watching Elf. Do you watch Elf at the cinema? No. I mean, there's no. a, in the, right at the end when they're singing and there's a clip with the manager of Gimbal's and mm. he's dancing with his team. Yeah. The, the, yeah. I remember crying. I can't, I don't, probably the first time I cried. I don't even the, know why. The magic um, is the, the belief, isn't it? It's having the belief. Yeah. Of, 
Yeah. The just the the whole the whole thing. That in Christmas films is always always great. Yeah. Um because you think for a second you've had it's been revealed. You know what's yeah. you know what's come out here. And then uh, and then you get the truth. So those scenes those scenes are really good. Um as you said, bye buddy. Yeah. <laughs> we we to, and when he gets on his block of ice <laughs> sails off. <laughs> He said, "Oh, um, one thing your dad's on the naughty list, and he's giving him the mm. if it's a peep show, then it's not an early look at your presence and all of yeah. these things." Um, I do feel sorry for the dad, though. I do feel sorry for the dad in that film. Oh, like when you're the the actual oh, biological yeah. dad, because when you're watching it as a kid, you're just like, "Oh, he's such a miserable, <laughs> yeah. miserable old man," and then you like think, actually, this guy's just like been handed this fucking abomination well I was trying to think of something like a thing before and if you've ever walked next to someone who's wearing something you think's a bit weird mm. if they're yeah anything like that and you feel awkward yeah by you could feel awkward yeah yeah and for this is yeah <laughs> he's walking yeah. around as a giant elf <laughs> Due to his policy of appearing in family-friendly films, Chevy Chase was considered for the role of Papa Elf by John Favreau. Okay. Yeah. Will Ferrell personally vetoed the idea because he disliked working with Chase when he was a guest host on Saturday Night Live. Oh. Ferrell said that Chase was the worst host he'd ever worked with and he refused to work with him again. Well, harsh. That's um, Ferrell laying down the law there. So there's a bit more on him, which you'd be surprised about in a moment, mm. actually. But you get all of these little things that come together, like even just like I said with Favreau. Zoe yeah. Deschanel wasn't going to sing in this film. Uh, Favreau says, I didn't know she could sing. When I found out, that's when she I wrote that part in. Yeah. yeah. He said, that was not in the original script. I wrote it in because she has that great Doris Day voice. Mm. The whole Christmas spirit, saving Christmas, that was pretty late in the game too. That wasn't in the original script, but it gave it that magical feeling. Yeah. That spirit redeeming, buddy changing a lot of people in small ways and overall changing the personality of the city. That's what I think actually gives the movie heart. It's a really nice scene. Like, I know it is weird because he is sat in the <laughs> bathroom with her, but it is really nice. She's got a great voice. Like, I thought you were about the end, of the, <laughs> the end of the film. Yeah, no, the end's nice as well. I do like the ending. Yeah, Zoe Deschanel, because she goes what? When... How did Buddy the Elf manage to pull her? <laughs> this he... is my big hang-up with the ending of this film. That she's just... You don't ever find out anything about her. Like, what the fuck is wrong with her? This is... she gets with him. So, she is the second human that he has an extended conversation with. Third, he, has, he speaks to his dad. If we don't include the receptionist, he goes straight through. Mm. He does the Christmas gram. Yeah. Then he goes back to Gimbal's. Yeah. And he's looking at the lingerie when he's found yeah. by the boss. Yeah. The boss calls him in and then she says, What's your deal? or something like that. And yeah. that's I mean, It's the third person that he comes across. Yeah. Ends up, we assume he will marry he marries her. Well, he definitely has a fucking kid with well, her. She changes her opinion pretty quickly as well. She she opens up because he's a nice guy, obviously. Because she does shout at him to get out, and then like an hour later, she's like, "Hey, you come well, here." Well, then she's telling like she's telling him uh, that her power's been shut off. Yeah, 
which you think she's not just telling that to anyone. She's, yeah, she's there showering because she's she got had, it early enough to peek yeah, to avoid that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But then and that's then, what I mean. She like shouts at him. She's like, "Get out!" Yeah. And then like, which like, is fair. Too. Yeah, that is. But <laughs> but also you'd be like, you'd go straight to HR and be like, "This guy was yeah, fucking and, in there." And then when he comes back with uh, his brother and he's going, "Do you want to get food?" Get food. Do you, yeah. <laughs> with me, you know. Yeah. You know. And then the next time and she, ice, she lays it on him yeah yeah they're ice skating and she's saying you, you missed. missed yeah she lays it on him one of the most famous scenes in the film then is the uh, Santa I know him scene uh, that part was in the trailer of him running across in front of the kids mm. you, the, sit the, you sit on a throne of liars yeah the, I mean the actual fight part of it um the chase had to be done in one take to be able to rebuild everything. And they actually green screened a section of it because it was so chaotic. They couldn't <laughs> allow the kids uh, to be yeah. in and around all of it. So just be so, Lego flying over yeah. So they got yeah. the kids out of the way. They green screened them in when they needed to do shots of them kind of screaming in the background. Yeah. Yeah. But that, I mean, all the, the Christmas manager, cards The now. manager just like dumb tackles him, doesn't <laughs> yeah. Um, was it you sit on a throne of lies you smell like cheese or something like that <laughs> you smell like beef and cheese yeah, beef and you cheese. don't smell like Santa which is a very specific yeah, insult uh, I always wonder with like Will Ferrell how much of it is improvised as well because you know like he improvs so much stuff uh, I know Favreau said that there was a couple I forget their names but there's the guy who's in he's in Tenacious D isn't he the, the one that's not Jack Black in Tenacious yeah. D I can't remember his name yeah but there's a load of improvisers on yeah in, and he said they just let them cook and mm. uh, so he would just tell them it's always the fun framework. watching like Will Ferrell outtakes where it's just like the scene could be completely different if you have gone with I've that only line. just got the Anchorman I've, I've seen great. I've seen a clip several times before of that Eastbound and Down show which you've probably seen before there's a there's a clip of Will Ferrell and he looks like you know the South Park one with the guy talking to Cartman about the student athletes. Yeah, student he, look, he looks yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've only ever seen this one clip. Where he's talking about his plums. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I've got that show to watch soon fucking, with. Um, he just can't name? finish it. Uh, Danny McBride. Yeah, McBride, and also um, the the black man. The black man. What's he called? What's what's that guy called? He's in everything as well. They're always in the same films. He was in. This is the end or whatever. What's he called? Uh, you know who I'm on about though. I do, but that feels like one that you can't just kind of let that hang. Not Michael Beasley. No. Oh, yeah, no, I know you mean. Um, we nearly had him on We nearly had him on here. Really? Once. Yeah. Right in the middle of um, COVID, Craig Robinson. That's it, Craig. We yeah. we were gonna speak about knocked up and hot tub time machine, mm. and uh, this was a phase like right in the midst of COVID where you had people considering you that probably wouldn't yeah, normally, yeah. and because uh, it's right, we we thought we were gonna have him and Clark Duke in the same week, and then it didn't. Mm. Unfortunately, didn't go down like that. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, so that that scene that pops off. Even you have the etch sketch like beforehand, or the decorations. Yeah. The security cameras clearly don't love, work overnight. I love his little note that he leaves in the etch sketch when he's like running away. <laughs> yeah. He leaves like, on the etch. Sorry, I stuff four cookies yeah. in the VCR. Yeah, just little stuff like that. So funny. Yeah, so James James Khan having the the caliber of actors in this is actually yeah. unreal for yeah. this level of film. The you get the early scenes of James Khan with the unfinished books. Um, he's supposed to kind of be the Scrooge of the piece. Um, yeah, he does. You're meant to like dislike him, but as as a kid, I remember thinking like, oh, he's really miserable. But then like the older you get, you're you're like, this guy's just actually trying to make a living. <laughs> it, it wouldn't have done anything for us, but. In terms of uh, when you watch it now and what it did for kind of getting out there at the time, how much does us subliminally knowing who James Kahn is help with that role? Uh, in what sense? Like, well, there's people you, you associate him. You associate with like Sonny and The Godfather, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. then you've got him opposite Will Ferrell in a Christmas film. Yeah, adds a bit more to the character in. I guess just the general aura that they have surrounding them. Yeah, but then we we saw Elf before we saw Godfather. Yeah, that's so, what I mean. So yeah. that's why I meant for us now and for Looking like back older it. people watching mm. it in the marketing of it. Favreau said that Will Ferrell would bust his balls a lot in James Khan, yeah. and he said James Khan did clearly feel a bit uncomfortable early on because this isn't what he's used to be doing. Yeah. And he, the improvisation actually helped because it made him kind of get in with everything. Yeah. He said, despite signing on the whole time, James Carver said, it have to be called Elf. Like, do I have to be doing a film called Elf? And he said, right when they finished the film, Will Ferrell bought him a, uh, bought him the Godfather trilogy box set. And he wrote a note on there saying, uh, great working with you. The first one's a bit slow, but the second two are really good. <laughs> and Sonny gets killed off in the first yeah, Godfather yeah. film. So he said he took it well. Yeah. He said it was a nightmare. He said he got on really well with James Kahn. And he said they would like go out and eat while they were filming and all of that. He said any Italian restaurant they would go into, they would just put the Godfather theme on. Yeah over the like in the background and he said they Where think they're they the film? first people they're to do this in New York didn't they yeah. of course they did he said they they yeah. would think they're the first person to do yeah. this and like yeah. twice a week you're getting people playing yeah. the Godfather theme when you're going into a restaurant yeah the snowball fight you kind of <clears> you're ticking off all of the Christmas tropes the snowball fight scene is nowhere near as good as the snowball fight scene in Jack Frost though I'm sure you'll agree <laughs> <laughs> the whole premise of Jack Frost is Jack Frost, a fantastic it. film. Um, was a son of a nutcracker is the one he says in here. I looked up uh, Daniel Tay. I love looking up what happens to these kid actors and where they go. <laughs> you were saying, I thought you were going to say I love looking up the young kids. No, no. When if you we were doing this online, uh, yeah. you would hear the little sound effects I used last week oh. of someone uh, splooshing into a pool. <laughs> And then I say, I said, uh, our annual deep dive. On, oh my uh, god! So you see him laugh when Buddy drinks the two liters of coke and he does the burp, and yeah. you see him laugh in that scene. He doesn't do a lot after this. He voices Dougal 
in the magic roundabout film called Dougal. Mm. He doesn't even get his name on the poster, despite voicing the main character. No. He does another film four years later called Brooklyn Rules with Alec Baldwin, Scott Kahn, Mina Suvari, Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jerry Ferrara Mm. that somehow made less than 500k on an 8 million budget. Oh, God. And he's not done anything since. He he did some voice work for the GTA games. Hmm. Clearly, I I looked. Was he making royalties from Elf? He must be. I'm sure he will. Yeah, yeah. I looked him up when uh, we first did Christmas films on this podcast about three years ago. Yeah, and he's one of them that I'm not going to say he's embarrassed by it now, but the association I think has grown now. tired. Like yeah. he, I don't think he grew up wanting to be an actor at this mm. point. The same happened with um, the kid that played Stifler's little brother in American Pie. <laughs> Yeah. And I found his Instagram and it was basically like him just hating everything American Pie. Like he was very religious and. Yeah. But it's just something that he can't get rid of. But the snowball fight scene is great. Yeah, it's fast arm pinging through. And that's when you have the rampart, the montage after with. You make me feel so young then? Does it lead into. I think so. Yeah, I think so. No, it's not. It's something else first. You make me feel so young is when they're on the date. They go and then they go running around the little they, toys. They're the bouncing store, on the yeah. beds. Yeah. Probably worse than anything Kevin does in the whole of Home Alone, that. But what, bouncing on the beds? In a packed store. Just having fun. Kevin. Causing mischief. <laughs> yeah, but then he didn't dash any bricks at anyone's head, did he? Look, if, any, if anything, that was more deserved. <laughs> I wanted to add the angry elf scene. Yeah. I love Peter Dinklage. So. He he obviously, and I'm trying to think of the right way to have this conversation. He he was aware when he went into acting that he was going to be unable to get certain roles yeah. because of his size, yeah. and he was going to get certain roles, yeah, like the dwarves and all that sort of yeah. shit, and uh, Snow White and all that. And I will say, and he doesn't need me to be telling him this. He's always played those roles. Guess with a level of dignity to them, like yeah. he's not playing some of the stuff you would see Warwick Davis do. Mm. Peter Dinklage is not doing that. No, he's a, he's more of a serious actor in that sense. Which is why they said they they got him for this this scene. Yeah, some of the way this is shot is wild. Yeah, like the the framing of it where they film the lift doors opening, but you don't see, you <laughs> yeah. don't see it. It's a it's clearly just above. And what, what's he called? Miles Finch or something? Yeah, is that his name? Yeah. Yeah, you it's, just see the door open, you don't see them, they're all popping yeah, their head Yeah, and then you've got out. the, the little yeah. footsteps, like, yeah. pacing along. It, <laughs> I I wonder how they have that conversation. Like, it, do you think that's... It would have to, you'd you don't have put to be an, so... You don't put out an open casting call. No, you'd have to be so upfront about it that he, he definitely knew exactly what they were going yeah, for. Yeah, and this the is humor. the thing, because... It's not like it's a serious role where you can say we're not taking the piss. Like yeah. you're very literally He is the butt of the joke, yeah. Taking the piss. And he said the the best thing about having him do it is you they shot it like it was the most serious scene in the mm. world and that's where the humour comes from. Yeah. But his line 
hey, Jack Weed, I get more action in a week than mm. you've had in your entire life. I've got houses in LA, Paris, and Vale, and each one a 70-inch plasma Steve, screen. Yeah. So I suggest you wipe that stupid smile <laughs> off your face before I come over there and smack it off. You're feeling strong, my friend. Call me <laughs> Elf one more time. He's an angry elf. How many just... It's just and off. it's Buddy's face when he's saying all that as well, yeah. just like nodding and smiling. <laughs> And you know why it's supposed to show his lack of sensitivity and yeah, all of this stuff. Yeah. And then you add in the fact that you can add, um, I'm forgetting their names, which is really bad, but even like James Khan and then the receptionist and uh, the writers as well, all of their faces in that scene mm. add in yeah. to what's going on. Amy Sedaris is who I was thinking of. <laughs> when he says, so you're telling me, my two writers, your big plan is to get another writer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and they're just like, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it, it's very good. That's, that, yeah, it's one of my favorite That's the, that the, the beauty, really, of when doing the film like this is you have to make it stand up to more than just mm. kids. Yeah. And, and they do it very well. The sequel, obviously, was... Yeah, you don't put Elf on and think... I'm watching a kid's film, but it, it is a kid's film, I guess, but you don't feel like yeah. you are. So the sequel is obviously always being rumored. Um, Will Ferrell turned down 29 million to do so Good. in 2014. Now, but they don't need to make a sequel. So James Khan told a Cleveland radio station, we were going to do it. And I thought, Oh my God, I finally got a franchise movie. I could make some money and mm. let my kids do what the hell they wanted to do. I don't know how well he's being paid previously. Yeah. Um, but the director and Will didn't get along very well. So Will wanted to do it, but he didn't want the director mm. and he had it in his contract. It was one of those things. And he's not the only one that said that phase on love has come out and said they, they didn't get on at all. Um, yeah. So has it been written then, like Elf 2? Well, Favreau said several times that they could do it. And mm. every time he, he he lasted it in 2016 and a day later he said it could happen and a day later Will Ferrell came out. Yeah, it's not going to happen. Mm. Favreau says they didn't get on because he was having to constantly tell Will Ferrell he was being funny. He yeah. said he, he understands it and there's no hard feelings on his part. Will Ferrell, until he could see it in post, yeah. didn't think he was being very funny and uh, thought the whole thing was not the tone that he wanted it to be. Yeah, He's had the hit of Old School come out and then mm. it's the question, he wasn't sure if this was the type of film that he should be doing. Yeah, And Favreau is trying to tell him, this is going to be so huge yeah. that you can't yeah. even believe it. And it yeah. was just all this tension of him being very fresh as a Hollywood star mm. that uh, all works out in the end but something's clearly where yeah. Will Ferrell will not even entertain the idea of working together so it feels like I it's far more one-sided yeah I don't think they should make a sequel honestly because if it's crap then it just yeah. I hate this with sequels when like something shit it just ruins the first one like it's just fucking annoying Will Ferrell fell out with um, Adam McKay as well really they were doing a TV show is about... That, is he the Euphoria one? Step Brothers. Oh. Is the Euphoria one? I think there's a character called McKay in is Euphoria. That what it is? Yeah. Um, the like, uh, NFL, uh, the college yeah, yeah, football yeah, yeah, yeah. kid is with uh, Cassie. 
but Adam McKay was doing, I think it was Adam McKay, he was doing a show about the Lakers and Will Ferrell's a big Lakers fan and he yeah. basically assumed he would get this role. Yeah. And he didn't tell him up front he wouldn't have the role. Mm. But not only did he not tell him that, he offered it to John C. Riley, <laughs> who accepted the role. Yeah. But before the director said anything, kind of came to Will Ferrell and was like, you're my friend, I'm going to be completely upfront with yeah. you. Yeah. I'm what, playing this part. Offered, yeah. Just And then he quite publicly said like, fuck him. We're not going to be working together again. Mm, Felt betrayed and their yeah. relationship couldn't go back after that. Interesting. There's a lot of ego, isn't there? Yeah. The, I mean, the other scenes in this film that haven't even boxed off, him in the mailroom with the Irish coffee. Yeah. When he's doing the dancing. Yeah. On top of the table. <laughs> yeah. The singing at the end. The singing at the end is really nice. Yeah, the singing at the end is nice. What do you think of... Uh, I'm not sure why the guy isn't singing at the start, though. Like, he's clearly, by that point, he's already, like, told his boss to go fuck himself <laughs> and stormed out, And but he's still, like, lip-syncing. What do you think of the uh, representation of Santa in this one? Good. Yeah, I like I like the Santa in this one. I need an elf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he is good. And the question that I had, actually, is one of the last things here. Um... Let me get to it on my notes. In Christmas movies where Santa Claus does exist, how can adults not believe in Santa if gifts are appearing yeah. under the Christmas tree every yeah, year? Yeah, I know. Yeah, that is always the loophole, isn't it? Yeah, I, I always think that as well. When, when they just, they're always so shocked that Santa's real. They just buy like, so much that yeah. they're like, I must do I must, must have, have got that, that one as well, yeah. That's part of you just have to um, whenever you're watching a Christmas film, you just have to kind of go with yeah, because they do it in tropes uh, like Polar Express where yeah. they're all getting the presents and then at the end yeah. it comes around that way that uh, they're able to do it. It's um, it's interesting to be sure. It's yeah, um, I do usually have a scorecard, but I don't think I uh, did it this time around. So someone's a poor prep. Do we need to match the film? I think, well, I think I know which film you prefer having uh, 100%. gone through them. Um, but maybe if Buddy had to deal with uh, Same the Wet Bandits. Well, this is it. Buddy would just get murdered by the Wet Bandits, <laughs> the Sticky Bandits. He'd just get killed by them. But, yeah, Buddy's more of a child than Kevin is. Kevin's called Pesci killer. In that, what he's saying, like, don't think it's um, against me that, that I would uh, kill a kid. pump some iron into yeah, a kid. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. All these things coming out. I was going to ask if you wanted to sing Santa Claus is coming to town to uh, close the show, but I'm not sure I've got that in me myself. So yeah, unless you want to uh, lead the way. It is, it is 10 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else to add before we close out this Christmas special? No, it's been fun as always. All right, well, thank you again for listening to another edition of Movie Madness. There will be no episode next week off for Christmas, and then we'll be back the week after for the new last episode of the year. We'll be doing The Nice Guys with Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling up against Made with Jon Favreau and Vince Vaughn. Tune in then. We'll be back Monday with another episode of Spitballing Pod rounding up the World Cup and our Christmas special. 
Tuesday, we're going to try something a bit different. It's going to be the 3MP Christmas special, 3MP FM radio style show. Tune in for that. And uh, check out the YouTube, TikToks, everything, as I've said there. And have a Merry Christmas. That as well. I, I assumed that would be assumed. Goodbye.